And we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 316, aka Year 7, Week 14, uh, coming at you this week. As always, I'm your host, Mr. Richie Rich, along with MC and KS and JK. All right. And now that we have this clubhouse thing up and running in phenomenal fashion, some new equipment, some technical difficulties worked through here. Uh, no more phone numbers. So just find us on Clubhouse. Um, wh- what are we working on getting? We're working on getting our own uh, room or club or whatever. Is that, am I using the correct terminology for the kids? Yeah. So basically with Clubhouse, you can, there's a whole bunch of different clubs. Um, I'm in one of them, but it's not going to help us out very much because, uh, well, what, we've already got enough people on our side. Um, we what, Initially, what we wanted to do was argue with people that, that think statum is the is, is better than religion, um, or another and, <laughs> religion. That was like the original <laughs> premise of this show, but we couldn't convince right. any statists to call in because why would they want to lose an argument on yeah. air? And so we so we want to make it as easy for them as possible. And so I had another idea. Maybe we could just join like the Democrats and the Republicans uh, ch- uh, groups that are already existing, and then they have no choice to listen to us. You know. <laughs> Because you'll be uh, <laughs> monopolizing their channel for an hour on a, on a Saturday. Well, I mean, it's so with Clubhouse, anybody can make a room, and it's, it's just an advertising thing. So if, if you're in the Republican Democrats room and you start one, then everybody in that in that club will be notified that hey, somebody's talking on there. And if it just happens to be an anarchist, maybe it would be interesting to them because you know what? They're not having too many uh, uh, rooms starting up for them to talk about anything because they're mostly boring and don't have any real solutions for anything. <laughs> All right. So we will figure that part out, but for now on clubhouse in our own little private rooms. And if you, if you follow us on clubhouse, I guess you'll get some sort of notification that we're starting something. Um, the room is public, you know, for now, because I've, I've opened it up so anyone can join. Um, so if you happen to be hearing this late, just know that we're on clubhouse and start following us to find out uh, when we start these live sessions as well. Um, that being said, let's jump right into it. Joe, or JK, excuse me. Sorry, buddy. You can call me Joe. I'm All Joe, right. sure. I, I, I try to do my best to like say whatever <laughs> you said first, but it's difficult. It's because when I look down at my little screen here now, it says Joe, but JK's fine. <laughs> JK, JK, KS, MC, you guys are weird with and your initialisms. And that's another thing that we are recording this and we are going to broadcast this everywhere for the whole world to hear. Um, And so if somebody was on our clubhouse and they didn't want to be recorded, uh, well, then just don't raise your hand and you won't be uh, added. You can just listen. Um, It's Mm -hmm. it's really weird when I think when people uh, want to join these types of public things and then they think nobody is going to record them. Um, I don't think there's any expectation that you shouldn't be recorded when you're basically in a, you know, basically a public group. I mean, you can, well, you can make these sort of things private and you, and you can have that expectation amongst the, you know, small group. But when it, when it, you know, when it gets really big, how are you going to trust a hundred people, uh, you know, to not, <laughs> to, to not record? I mean, there's, there's gotta be somebody that is, uh, out there to get you. You should, just uh, you know, act accordingly. I mean, let's be a little bit realistic. The Clubhouse platform is designed not to be recorded. We are going out of our way a little bit with the additional equipment to make sure that we can 
record this mm. as a podcast as well as you know run it I'm live not, on this new platform sure. called Clubhouse. I'm not sure it was designed to not be recorded. It was, it was designed so that people could hear the people that they want to follow whenever they get on. Sort of like Twitter. So Twitter, you follow your favorite uh, actors or politicians or whoever, and and whenever they tweet on and make a post, uh, then you're notified of that. And so it's a way to keep in touch with people. Um, so with Clubhouse, it's basically the same thing, but with with audio. Um, and I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to say that it was designed to not be recorded. It was designed to be live. Right. Um, and, and there's no so, record so, button on the app. <laughs> no. Yeah. There's no record button on the app for sure. So um, for, for those but, people using clubhouse, right, this is just my understanding based on what I've heard outside of this little circle of people. Um, it's you're either on the call when they go live or you've missed it. Right. Mm -hmm. There's no way to like, oh, I, I wish I was listening to what Elon Musk was saying. Let me go listen to that clubhouse presentation because, hey, it may not exist unless, you know, he was recording it in some other form or fashion. Or, or somebody else listening. And that's kind of my point. Uh, right. It's not hard to do. It's not hard to record this. I mean, worst case scenario, you could just get another phone put it next to your uh, another phone and then hit record. And right. So like there's, there should be no expectation. In fact, if Elon Musk got on, he should expect somebody's going to record whatever the hell he says. Okay. Cause he's going to have thousands of people on there. Well, the, the analog loophole will always exist with audio yeah. and video. Um, but I don't, we may just have to disagree on whether or not there's the expectation that that's how the app is meant to operate. Right. Like I, I, Obviously, you can record it because we're doing so. Um, I don't know if the current batch of Clubhouse users have that expectation going in. Well, I'm just saying, based, just based on physics, they shouldn't have that expectation. And it's, it's more of like a, a reality check. Sure. Like if you get on Clubhouse and there's 100 people on, what are the chances that somebody is recording it because they think somebody's going to say something? Um, now, what we're not going to do is write down everybody's names of people who join and out them in any sort of way. Yeah, I really don't um, care about that. Exactly. We, we don't, we're here for ideas. We don't really care who joins. If Obama joins and he says, um, I'm a, a, a B.O. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stinky, stinky man. <laughs> so, so he comes and he says, hey, I'm B.O., uh, I'd like to talk about my uh, invasion of Syria. Um, you know, we're not going to say, oh, yeah, Barack was on our channel. We're just going to uh, this guy named B.O. Um, <laughs> if, if he even says his name, you know, he, he might just have to, you know, whatever. I don't care. We don't care. Oh, I um, will see his profile as it pops up and his hand gets raised. Like I will. Right. But uh, I think just for, for us, we shouldn't use their name that they, that they have on the clubhouse. We'll, we'll give them that benefit that... Uh, you're anonymous except for the sound of your voice. Right. But and it will be recorded and it will be broadcast. I will say, forgive me if I look down and read what I see on the screen like I did with JK. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, I'll try to forgive you for that. Right. Uh, Appreciate <laughs> it. You, you, you not only have to be colorblind, but you have to be name blind too. <laughs> yeah, it's, again, it's difficult. I look down, I, I see the name, I, I address you know the person accordingly. But I will, I will do my best to avoid that if they say something different than what is on their clubhouse picture yeah all right that, that's i think that's the only sticking point too because 
um, you know, some people do kind of want to, if the, if it's going to be public, they want it to kind of be anonymous. You know, they want to be able to speak freely. Um, and I don't know. I just, I just feel like it, in society now that uh, it, it's a good thing when people are just honest and okay with making mistakes sometimes. And, you know, it's, it's so sad that, you know, you, you could say one thing and then forever you're tainted, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, and I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with out you there. at all. I'm just saying, you know, forgive any mistakes that are made because they're not sure. done maliciously. Right. All right. So that being said, um, any, that, that covers a lot of housekeeping. Uh, <laughs> J, JK, you, you wanted yeah, to talk sure. about um, more on the rail, um, yeah. misguided railway system that's currently going up in Hawaii there? Yeah, well, it, it is the most expensive rail project in the world per person. And it's now ballooned to almost $13 billion. The original cost was $2.6 billion. And so it's exceeded that you might say by by many times over and interesting though that this year is a real pivotal year for it because if it doesn't um get the money to pay for itself then it may lose money from the feds it's this weird there's a weird thing happening where the feds give money to rail projects they give um a bag of money, you know, if to Hawaii, it's $1.6 billion and we've used half of it. And the other half, we're still waiting for them to give it to us. And, um, but they won't give it to us unless we raise taxes on everyone though. So it's this what a weird bunch of dicks. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, tainted money, I guess. So the lawmakers, though, see it all as free money, you know, tax money or, or federal dollars. They see it all as free money. But uh, from a taxpayer's perspective, it almost looks like the feds are incentivizing our local politicians to tax us to death. Of course they are. And so anyways, if, if they don't tax us to death or, or if they don't get the money somehow, let's say from Biden, um, then then we'll have to return all of the money that they gave us before. So that's another threat is like, hey, if you don't finish the rail project, if we don't finish the rail project, we have to give some of the money back, right? Which would be uh, $1.6 billion back. That almost uh, seems fair, right? Like you, yeah. you, we've had like 20 years to put this thing together, it seems like mm-hmm. already. And if you're not going to finish it and you haven't spent the money, then mm-hmm. shouldn't. You know, from from a government perspective, right? And I don't want to sound like I'm taking the government side, um, but if it was like if it was a personal, like if you said, if I, you know, J.K., if I, said, you know, like here's here's ten thousand dollars to put towards you know a car purchase, right? Like I'm mm-hmm. lending you ten grand, and right. then you go like, you know what? I didn't come up with the other ten grand, so I'm not going to be able to purchase this vehicle. Um, doesn't it make no, sense that you would return the the ten grand that I lent you? Right, I, I think that's not a, a same kind of comparison, uh, because the money has been spent, um, and it was uh, spent badly. And I mean, it was like saying, uh, "Well, I'm, I'm gonna, 
I want to buy a, a car and you're going to give me a, some money so that I'll buy it. And I did buy I, 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 I started building it, you know, and I got halfway through and then realized it was going to be a, a real mess and it was going to cost me so much. And oh, I'm sorry, I can't. I'd say that's the risk of the federal government. Otherwise, if there was no risk, they would have given the whole amount up front. But the fact that they knew that there was risk, they only gave half. Okay. And expected the other half to be given back. Yeah, that's a good point, and and so we'd only have to give half the money back, because the because we didn't get the other half of the money, so really it's we're only talking about well only eight hundred million dollars here <laughs> that we've spent, but so you're not that looking at it cost. like a loan on the on the on the behalf of the federal government then it's it's a it's an investment opportunity in some future profits of some kind. I. I, I think of, yeah, I think of it more of a, I think that's how people view it is as an investment. But, um, of course, the, the feds wouldn't get any repayment from the investment, though. Um, they just get the, the good feeling that the money went towards something right for once. Okay. <laughs> yeah. so, but anyways, um, if we did have to pay back $800 million because the rail project stopped or wasn't completed to to the mall that would only be 800 million compared to the 13 billion that the project cost um you know you, you might say that's actually a drop in the bucket is that what you're saying like th- those oh, numbers definitely. are phenomenally large for me to comprehend yeah <laughs> yeah exactly that, that is what i'm saying and and i think it's becoming more and more uh, clear to even the rail board members. Um, and so yesterday they had a meeting and they were all, they were talking about this. Should we stop the rail? I mean, they were saying this stuff at the, at the heart board meeting, which was amazing. Um, and, and basically it is in the, what's known as the Overton window, which is the window of political possibility that the rail could stop. So, um, this is a real pivotal year for that. Um, but then again, they have for decades now pulled a rabbit out of the hat. And uh, I predict that they're going to try to pass some kind of tax, um, which would be political suicide, but they're still going to try it. Okay. Now, from the from the anarchist perspective, which is where we always try to view these things, mm-hmm. things from, um, it would seem like the right thing to do would to stop it, forego any other, you know, funneling of federal money or state money or tax money toward what seems to be a doomed project to begin with mm-hmm. and just deal with, you know, the the sunk cost, as it were, because I think we're all f- familiar with the sunk cost fallacy, which is, well, we sunk all this money into it. We got to keep building it. Um, but that's, you know, that is fallacious um, in and of itself. And so you go like, well, okay, we have to we the state, you know, and therefore the people have to pay this back, but it's better than funneling any more funds towards this doomed project. So we just stop the rail, do whatever, you know, leave up all those pillars or however much it's built and just go, whoops, and then move Mm -hmm. on. Right. Yeah. um, Some people think they should just uh, leave the columns of the rail up as a monument to our stupidity and as a eternal reminder never to do mega boondoggle projects. 
Um, yeah. And maybe that that's the best use of it right now. I mean, also yeah. from I, my, I, I have ahead. a different solution. <laughs> I, I want them to just sell it or convert it to <laughs> a, a raised highway. There's, there's, it goes right over this really busy part of the island that's kind of like a, 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 a choke point on, on uh, traffic in Hawaii from going from east, east or west side of the islands. Um, it would be great to be able to drive over that choke point uh, where everybody's trying to go to Walmart and Sam's Club and Home Depot in this one little area. It, it gets so backed up right there, and just it would be great just to you know, drive over that to, to get, you know, for everybody else to get out of my way, basically. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, they probably won't do that. But So are you um, calling for more infrastructure projects or are you saying like they should no. sell it to like some private developer and see if they can make some money on it? Definitely sell it to a private developer, but let them use it for uh, basically a raised toll way, I guess. Um, I think there's a lot of people that, rather than one, you know, rather than sitting in traffic for an extra hour, uh, they would, uh, you know, pay pay a fee to, you know, go the go the raised highway. That would be great. Sure, that's right. They could do a toll road, absolutely. Um, and in fact, before the rail had uh, been proposed or well, was a, a done deal, a lot of people were saying why don't we just do a toll road instead? And then, you know, it would pay for itself and it would solve all the traffic problems and, and that would be done. But, um, but the thought was, well, the rail will be a toll. They'll have a toll. And so people have to pay to get on the rail. So it's all going to pay for itself. Right. Well, <laughs> Maybe wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the I was never convinced even... that Hawaii drivers would switch to a train. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem like it would be culturally appropriate. Well, ironically, Hawaii had the train first. We had the Oahu Railroad, which went 70 miles around the island. It took uh, cargo and passengers and was self-supporting. It was financed entirely privately. And it was put out of business by the government building roads, which made it uh, free for people to um, to use their independent vehicles instead of the railroad. So the railroad went out of business. Yeah. And as Panos pointed out, they could have used that same railroad grade uh, to build this railroad, but they didn't. They wanted, of course, to take other people's land. So there's a possibility, too. I like the idea of just selling it to whoever can make the best of it. I think the best thing for transportation in Hawaii is simply to allow competition with the bus. That doesn't cost a penny. And you have many alternative uh, options in transportation open up. And another way, for from our point of view, is the idea that, well, maybe since all those people's land had been taken to build this thing, give it back to them and let them decide what to do with it. Hmm. Yeah, that that also seems fair. Um, one one of the things that happened here in New Hampshire um, within the last couple of years, I think, was that there was um, there was a toll, like a, a, a freeway toll entry and exit somewhere, you know, on the on the toll road, and the governor here said like. You know what? We're we're done having those people pay. You know the people who have to enter and exit the the, the freeway at those locations on a regular basis. It's like we're done having them pay for these tolls and absorb in, and being like the only handful of people absorbing the cost. So he, they actually like close the tolls in on in this you know this two mile span of of roadway here. But then they then they took the time to like. Um, break down the toll towers, right? And I go, well, 
that's extra money, right? Like it's not in the way you still, you, you know, you just drive, you, you just don't put a barrier up and people who have to get on, they just drive through that, you know, drive through mm-hmm. the little toll gates, you know, the, the little alleyways and then no problem. Right. But you know, they, they spent the, they spent the money to like tear these things down. Um, and to, so to, to relate it to the, the, uh, rail system there, I like you, you already wait. It's already a boondoggle as far as wasted funds go. Right. Then mm-hmm. like, how much is it going to cost to break everything down? You know, all those pillars to, you know, monuments to stupidity, as you said, mm-hmm. um, and I go, just leave it, e- either leave it or whomever owns that land can do what they wish with it. And if, if it makes sense to tear that down and, sp- you know, they can absorb the cost privately uh, to tear it down and then build something more profitable in that space, then so be it. Well, actually, they did have the idea last year to let a private company run the rail system and uh, basically uh, outsourcing the management of the rail to a private company. And, and the private company would just would build the rest of the rail and finance the rest of the rail. And so, so let the private company have it. But, um, but the way the, it, the um, part private partnership was structured was such that any dollar the private company paid would be repaid, not through the fare box, not through the tolls, but through tax money. Okay. And so, so all so this so the private company could spend billions and billions of dollars, and taxpayers would have to pay the company back then. So, but in other countries, their rail systems and and highways and things, even in the U.S., their highways for private companies, the toll box fares go to the company and are able to fund the entire project. So, or you would hope, um, yeah, yeah. Theoretically, so, that's why they, the tolls are there. They couldn't do that in Hawaii because the the fare to to, to do a rail ticket would be like a hundred dollars to go from <laughs> to go on one trip in the rail. You know that that's how high the price of the, a rail ticket yeah. would have to be to go fifteen miles. Exactly. Okay. What what? Okay. So hear me out briefly. Maybe you don't have an answer to this. Um, like that seems like a very short break even point, right? Like if you're amortizing this cost over, you know, a hundred years of rail use, maybe ticket prices don't have to be that high. But oh, if they're sure. like, no, we're going to make all of our money back in 30 years. Well, then, okay, it may be a hundred bucks. So, the, I mean, yeah. does the fare well, really have to be that high or is that just some odd well, projection by the company to try to it, get taxpayer funds for it? It really does have to be that high because they chose the most expensive, the, the most uh environmentally unfriendly, the heaviest, the uh, most degradable rail that they could possibly pick. They, they could have picked something that had much less maintenance, but they didn't. Okay. And the reason why is because it's the gravy train that they, they're going to get paid for forever to maintain this thing. Okay. So it, it will never, it, will ne- it wasn't designed to ever pay for itself. Okay. Yeah, so there's, also- there is no break-even point is basically what you're saying. It, it actually is, is already almost obsolete. Um, it's already rusting. They found out in, in the paper today that, you know, the tendons that they lay to keep the structure, the metal tendons that go through the whole rail system and have to be grouted and put in to keep it all, you know, secure, those tendons are suspected to be rusted already. 
And how do you fix that? You have to tear apart the whole rail system just to put the new tendons in. And so these, these rail systems are only designed to last for 20 or 30 years. And then what do you do? You have to build another rail system, you know, tear it down and blow it up and build another one on top of Jesus. it. Well, we've been building this now for at least the last 10 or 15 years. So it's a jobs so, project then. It's like infinite, yeah, infinite work. Was. Exactly. So it's already almost um, past its life cycle. And, and by the time it's built, scheduled to be built, which is in the year 2031, um, then we will have spent, um, you know, 20 to 30 years already on the rail system. And it'll have to be blown up. So it might, it might run for one year. But by the way, in 2031, we might have uh, automated uh, vehicles by then. You know, transportation yeah, may look very different. Well, it already looks different because so much has been doing is being done on the internet now, just because of coronavirus, and that's causing a big shift in a lot of patterns, education and for business. Uh, but look at the fact that all the people that made those decisions about this stuff—they weren't betting their own money, and they're not even around. They're all long gone. You know, they're—you know—they've made these decisions. They're out of there, even though they know the history of all of these things is boondoggles and corruption. I wonder if it would be possible to apply uh, penalties that you would find under littering and uh, then, you know, that you've got this massive uh, eyesore that litters this landscape. It's of absolutely no use. It's a, 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 de a detriment to the environmental uh, quality of the, of the islands. Why not uh, seek out a, a prosecutor who could uh, apply those uh, penalties to these people who made these decisions to then um, start paying out of their own pockets. Now, they won't be able to have enough to do it, but it will deter people from doing it again in the future. Mm -hmm. And that's a good point. And also, there's eminent domain issues all over this project. I mean, they, they nabbed people's land. Um, there's businesses who didn't want to close, but they had to because they're their land was taken for this project. And I mean, what's going to happen to those people after this is uh, a dud? So, and, and the problem though, legally with eminent domain projects is you could, they never win in court if the government is, is taking the land. If, if a private company takes the land like Costco or Walmart or Trump hotel or something, um, you know, takes a little old lady's house to build a parking lot, that will almost always win in court, but but if if the government wants to build uh, <laughs> a uh, bridge to nowhere, then it, it's a loser. Yeah, in court. Let me let me ask you a, a different question, J.K. Because you said they had a meeting on this, um, mm -hmm. and it looks you know it it looks as bad as we're describing it, basically, uh, which is you know there's been way too much money spent. Uh, if, if even if they try to move it to a private uh, business, right? That private business has no way to, to, to turn this thing into a profitable, profitable endeavor. So it's going to lose money throughout. It will continue to lose money. Even if they finish it, it's going to be obsolete by the time they finish it and needs to be blown up anyway. So who was, who was for continuing on with the project and what was their rationale in this meeting? Cause there <laughs> must've been somebody going like, no, we got to keep this thing going. Like what was, do you, do you, do you remember? Do you yeah. recall? The, yeah, 
it's the the main rationale that they keep on harping on is the federal government has given us this free eight hundred million dollars, and if we don't finish it, then they have they're, they're, we have to pay it back. So it's kind of like in the Wizard of Oz, you know that there's a the Wizard of Oz is like this big scary boogeyman, right? And don't look at the person behind the cor- the curtain, you know, which is actually just like a, a, a small guy. And I think this is really a small issue, actually. Um, I uh, emailed the FTA myself because it's funny they talk about the FTA like it's some kind of god or something, but turns out you can actually go to their website and click on contact us <laughs> and so i did that and i and i asked them uh could we do a plan b or plan c because the people here keep saying we, if we can't do that and the fta told me oh well yeah actually you could uh we we were never presented with any alternative options no one's ever talked to us about that but uh but you could do that so um so yeah it's really just a big boogeyman okay um, two follow-up questions. Is this something then that could be put forth to the taxpayers, right? Like the people who are like, you know, we, we could continue to funnel taxpayer money at infinitum into this project, or we could cut that off at 800 million or whatever, you know, number you gave out. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you, the taxpayers will, are going to be on the hook for this over the next, however, so many years. Um, yeah, actually it was already put up to the taxpayers in 2000 they did that in 2008 to say okay do we really want this um it and the pro rail lobby outspent the anti-rail folks by like five to one okay um well to be fair that was also 12 years ago if you're saying 2008 like a lot exactly a lot has changed exactly and so the precedent has been set you could actually do another vote I mean, it's just a question to the taxpayers. That would have to be done at the Honolulu Council. And there are some council members who may be able to be swayed on that. Um, now there's a new crop this year. So, But, yeah, it would have to be an initiative at the council to do that. The irony is that the money that's poured into the lobbying campaign, the publicity and all that, it's coming out of the taxpayers' pockets to promote that side of the argument. I remember that from the very beginning of this whole whole thing, Mufi Hanneman had a, a budget of something like $4 million to educate the public about the rail before the vote. And he was and the mayor? The was he the mayor at the time? Yeah, he was the mayor okay. at the time. And he uh, and, and all the money was spent to promote it and advocate it. So the people who are against it have, uh, you know, very, very minimal voluntary uh, resources to counter that. And the general public, I don't think they, I don't think they really quite get it anyway uh, uh jk what do you think do you think the public uh, even if today they were given the vote on to stop this thing i think so yeah I, th- I think people get it today um that's why they are so afraid of doing a vote or even mentioning um it, it was interesting at the at the meeting yesterday um the the powers that be the people on the council who are pro-rail they don't even want you to talk about it they don't want anyone to even discuss it, you know, if you say something the wrong way. And that's because we're at the point now where the, the idea itself of um, collapsing the rail system is so strong that even mentioning it in whispers 
um, could make the whole house of cards fall down. So the biggest thing they're afraid of right now is a strong idea. And I think, okay. um, yeah, I think well, the, the, the go the libertarians ahead. there should be shouting that from the rooftops then, no, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. If, if, yeah, exactly. if, the, if a strong enough idea can like wipe this thing out for everybody, then it, you know, it would behoove those smart enough to know better to, to get that idea out in the general public. Uh, you mentioned the Overton window. That should be a part of that conversation. That should absolutely be. Yeah, except that the um, the real anti-rail folks or people who would get fired up about this have been beaten for 20 years now. I'm, and they're just crestfallen. I mean, um, they they have lost hope. Okay. And so, um, so that's really the piece that's missing is the hope that anything could ever happen. Okay. I mean, I hear you because politics would do that to, to a person, but at the same time, it's the, the way you're describing this to me, it seems like they're finally at a turning point where the public support could be shifted in their favor. That's right. It's, it's, it's such an irony that at the very moment when, you know, something could actually be done about it, that's also the moment when we've all lost hope. So <laughs> it's like some kind of uh, operatic movie or something. Go figure. As a matter of strategy, uh, I think the, the libertarians yelling it, I, I don't think have uh, the credibility, but if the libertarians could get a Democrat like Ben to again, once again, raise it was when they, they had a good chance of, of blocking it some years ago when they had uh, Cayetano running, and he was dead set against the rail, but he lost the vote pretty narrowly, actually. Uh, I think it was a, a vote for mayor. He was running for mayor. Uh, but maybe maybe he or someone of his prominence in the Democratic Party could once again be encouraged to make this. I, I would bet maybe somebody like, uh, 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 what's the case, Ed Case might, might be interested in making a case uh, on this. Yeah, I, you're, you're, yeah I, I think, though, in a way, it doesn't matter um, because it, it is going to blow up one way or another. I mean, um, I don't think they're ever going to be able to pass a tax. Actually, they couldn't even pass a tax on the rich in Hawaii this year. Um, <laughs> and and like all they were trying to do is just like tax mansions and that was too controversial for them to do not that i want anyone to do that but if they can't even do that how are they going to raise property taxes to fund the rail or how are they going to you know tax uh you know raise the general excise tax which is a tax on the poor to raise the rail i mean they had a bill to do that at the legislature but it didn't even get a hearing so uh, politicians are getting wise to this. They, I think they realize that the public isn't on board anymore. So that means that you've got a rail system that's doomed to fail. And whether you get people to rise up against it or not, it's, I think it's going to fail either way. Okay. Um, I, I, di I did have a, a, a similar question off of a different tangent. You said that the feds, um, we're open to the idea of a plan B, C, or D. Um, mm -hmm. Do you have any of those in mind that you know you would you are looking to propose to them in some form or fashion, or like, or what's the discussion being had around those alternative plans aside from just oh, crashing sure. and burning? Well, we're already on Plan B, by the way. The, the plan A was to go to UH, and uh, they've they've diverted now to Plan B, which is to go to the mall. Um, 
Plan C would be to go to Middle Street, and Plan D would be to just blow it up. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I think probably Plan D, believe it or not, I know this sounds uh, funny, but Plan D would might actually be the most productive thing to do because at least you'd have a road there, and then you could do whatever you want on that. Okay. So, so those are legitimately like what's being pitched to the feds is how do we get out of this mess and how do, how do we well, cleanly actually, get out of this boondoggle? The rail um, itself, the heart board, they have been mulling over about 25 plans. Gee, they should have made it 26 because then you could have the whole alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, they have 25 plans and it's, they call it the matrix of 25 plans and I've been trying to get this list. They keep talking about it. It's this secret list. <laughs> and I've been filing open records requests to the rail uh, for a month now. And they keep on uh, just stalling. So I they're call, claiming they have a plan, but, they, but they've got a yeah, list of like really nothing to go on right they now. they got a list of 25 options. Allegedly. And, and so I actually... Um, yeah, I, I called up Brian Black, who's the transparency lawyer here. He says there's no legal basis for them to deny me that request. So this coming Tuesday, anyways, they if they don't get me the numbers, then uh, legally they could be sued. So <laughs> so anyways, uh, that that would be really interesting to look at that list anyways to see what they're what other things they're thinking about. Yeah, I would be thinking, interested in the published list, but like suing them, you know, for not providing it, that. I think we all understand that that still just comes out of taxpayer funds anyway. Like that's a good point. There's no one there that's going to be held responsible for that. At, at what point can you someone personally uh, vulnerable to a lawsuit? Uh, you know, uh, versus you know just suing the organization that doesn't mean anything to them. Oh, but in you, government, never. Yeah, Haven't but you if heard? you can sue them, the, the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act for example, was supposed to outlaw uh, paying bribes to officials abroad to get contracts. And it was not really very effective because businesses went ahead and did it and said, well, the paying the fine for corruption was uh, just a cost of doing business. But when they said, okay, now you will be held criminally accountable for uh, tolerating corruption outside the country, then they stopped doing it. I mean, or they hid it in ways. But uh, is there any way that this law about transparency can apply to um, hold people personally accountable, either by law or by civil law? No, I think it's how, um, how we view it as the taxpayers get soaked. The only thing that transparency lawsuits really do um, from an incentive point of view is embarrass them. And uh, sometimes that's the best you can do to public. I mean, we, we like to think of government types as, um, you know, uh, as only caring about um, their bottom line, but um, actually they're human beings too. And they're able to be shamed and embarrassed and they respond to those incentives just like any of us would. Um, so that's just another avenue. Are there local politicians there who are willing to make this their issue in the upcoming election? Because it seems like, again, if you're, if you're saying like you got to find some local politician to take this, to take this mantle up, right. And really push forward, blow it up, get rid of it. Um, and that there might be some public support for it. 
do you then do you then get behind a local politician there who might be making this their election issue? Right, like I'm running to end this boondoggle, and you know, finally yeah. they get the support. I don't think so. I I think because Hawaii is so blue, we're so democratic here. There's no incentive to do that. If if we were more of a um, you know blue red state, fifty fifty or something, maybe because then there'd be a pressure to say something you know triumphant. But but um, the only thing that local politicians do is just avoid talking about the rail because um, th- there's no incentive to talk about it. They're, they're already going to get elected. They're a shoe in if, they, if they've got a D next to their name. Well, yeah, but so you could have I, a D in the primary going like, hey, I'm, I'm going to make my run for this now, mm-hmm. right? Like there, I, there is now an issue that's divisive enough where people will still vote D, but they might vote for me instead of the incumbent. If, I, if this is the only issue separating us, right? Yeah. Are, they hold, are they holding out hope that Joe Biden's uh, big infrastructure trillions will rescue them, will bail them all out? That's a good question. No, it, it's because um, they were last week. But la- but the end of last week, Brian Schatz, the, um, who represent- is a Democrat that represents Hawaii in Congress, said that there's no way Hawaii can get any of that money. That, um, it, and that's because it would be a stain on the federal – it would look bad to throw money after such a bad project. So, well, but that's um, what they've been doing for decades now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Somehow, this, you know, they they reached that point. So uh, they've been so throwing yeah. money at a bad project for decades, and finally, Biden's pushing infrastructure as everything, and everything is yeah. infrastructure. Now they're like, well, not that, right? Yeah, exactly. Anything but actual <laughs> infrastructure that sucks. <laughs> they were salivating over that, but uh, it's funny. Even our own congressmen say there's no way we could get the money. Funny because I'm sure Brian Schatz was a big member of the thing all along. Oh, definitely, yeah. Kai Kahele too, same thing. So he he said that uh, any money we get will just go to roads and bridges and stuff. So when is yeah, the turn it, turn it into a road? Well, that's oh, what you were you suggesting, <laughs> like a, a big old toll road. But then who's going to run that though? Right? Is it going to be a private company? Is it? Is that land profitable enough for a private uh, private industrialist to convert it to a toll road? I, th- I think it would be to somebody. Um, and the first thing is to let somebody have it. If they say, oh, I'll buy it for a dollar, fine, it's yours. Uh, and then, you know, have some requirements that it, 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 you can't let it fall apart and, uh, you know, crush people underneath. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I, I think if you sold it to a private company, they can do whatever they want with it. Um, they could figure out a way to make it profitable. Um, I mean, whether that's I mean, they would be road. incentivized at the very least, unless mm-hmm. the deal is worked out where they're getting paid from taxpayer funds, regardless, right? Like, like that's the whole, right. That's the whole exactly. point of private enterprise. Yeah, if it, if it was if all it was was just a fee simple land tra- transfer to a private entity or entities, I mean, you could even build housing on there if you wanted to. Um, or hotels, or restaurants, or or just build a toll road. You know, burn it down yeah. and build a toll road. Or yeah, there's it could be there's a, plenty it could of be a giant uh, bike path. That's what somebody else said. You could a homeless panels. compound at the top of each pillar, just <laughs> yeah. an just an encampment with a ladder. I yeah. I remember the reports last year that there were in the foundation they found flaws in the welding and that sort of th- thing. Um, 
and it's after the warranty, of course, too, and I mean, in the, the foundation of those pillars. And so doesn't even that become a liability for somebody if they're going to take it over? Then they have to go back in and, and check on the, the um, structural soundness of all of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think actually it's best to, it really is the most cost-efficient thing to just blow it up. Okay. Also, in New York, I think there was an old rail system that, um, either didn't get finished or isn't used, and and they use it as a um, a, a path. People can walk on that uh, rail system, and it's like this kitschy hangout for uh, young people now. And they've got like uh, gardens and restaurants and stuff on it. So there's there's all kind of things you could do if you think creatively. Well, yeah, and that's that's what private enterprise would do would figure out the creative way to make you know either the whole or in parts profitable in some form or fashion but that they would control it surf the rail yeah (laughs) so that's right you've said it a number of times jk just blow it up you're not talking metaphorically right you're talking about just destroy the infrastructure as it stands and reuse that parcels of land for something more productive. well they're gonna do it they're gonna blow it up eventually um, you know, in 30 years. So just like they're doing with the Aloha Stadium, they want to blow that up and build another stadium. So I think with these projects, it's easier to just tear it down and build it again. I've seen than... an artistic mock-up of what they're planning for that new Aloha Stadium area. And again, mm-hmm. uh, on paper, right? Looks impressive. Yeah. Looks pretty yeah. cool. That's the same th- thing, by the way. That The Aloha Stadium is the rail's smaller younger brother here <laughs> it's the exact same thing where they get this um some money and they are trying to do a, a partnership with private developers and but guess what the private developers get promised repayment of taxpayer money same thing so um it's another boondoggle okay i remember the original Olo stadium was going to have this sort of rust look that it would rust in a little bit and then stop. Uh, but of course, it didn't stop rusting, and then it cost twice as much to repair it as it originally cost to build it. And now they're going to tear that down. <laughs> so who knows what they'll come up with next. Let's talk about that, <laughs> that, that private, uh, private payments of you know, taxpayer funds. Mm-hmm. Now, do you, is there any way to fault private industry from taking advantage of those offers, right? Like their goal is to be profitable. Their goal is to be, you know, they're not activists. They're not libertarians. They're not anarchists. They're like, they're, they're capitalist businessmen. And if they can finagle a deal where, Hey, we're going to get, you know, taxpayer funds regardless. I mean, it's difficult to blame them. It's a sweetheart deal. Well, the contract that they make, if they just say, okay, Here's what you get, and it has to be built by a certain time or there's huge penalties, no changes or anything. But what they always build into it, they bid low to get the contract, and then they have all these uh, change requirements that the politicians then uh, implement into it that allow them to then uh, add all these costs. That's, that's how the game works. But if you, I mean, there's no, nothing inherent in having the, pri- in corruption with the private sector, you could say, well, Here's the contract to build it. You build it exactly to specifications, no change, no additional money. And if you don't do it by a certain date, um, then you're liable. And, uh, but they never do that. 
Yeah, it's the same. It's the same question about uh, buying a government bond, for example. Like uh, the government borrows money through bonds, and those bonds are are bought by the private market. These are private companies, and or maybe a, a little old lady down the street wants to buy a government bond certificate. So she forks over the money and the, the government uses that. And in 10 years, supposedly, they repay the lady, uh, usually with taxpayer dollars. Um, so, so yeah, um, it's, this is done all the time. But the difference with this, with the rail and the Aloha Stadium, is they've already reached their debt limits. They're not allowed to borrow bonds anymore. So that's why they have to do it this way. It's a way of borrowing so that it won't be on the books because otherwise it would trigger the, the debt limits. So um, so in that, in that way, it's kind of a, a uh, sneaky thing to do. But no, I don't I definitely don't blame any company that wants to participate in that. Yeah. That's just so you got the, you've got these companies, these capitalists. Right. I'm saying it like it's a bad thing. But, you know, hey, again, their their job, is, their goal is to make money. They they're able to negotiate these terms with you know the, with government agencies and state enterprise you, it's hard to fault them for negotiating favorably um but yeah. then you know the the downside is that if they fail the the taxpayers the voters are on the hook right yeah, these, exactly. these voters have representatives so i mean well it's just like governments they could they could float revenue bonds by the way if they wanted to and revenue bonds make it so the taxpayer isn't on the hook and and that the bondholder is pay, repaid with revenues that are generated by the project, like ticket sales and things. So if the government really wanted to put to borrow but put taxpayers off the hook, then they could do revenue bonds. They, the problem, they never do that because their projects never gain any revenue. <laughs> so. Yeah, that would, that would be a hard sell for the rail if you're saying that the only way to make money is to charge $100 a ticket for a 15-mile ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, I, I want more private companies to, um, to I, I, I like private partnerships. I went to a city called uh, Sandy Springs in Georgia, and that was a town where the government outsourced a lot of the management of the town to a private company. So although all of the town was uh, governed by the council members there, of which I think there were nine. Uh, they were like the only government employees. And every year they would vote to whether we should rehire the private company, which at the time was, I think, CH2M Hill, which is a company that exists here in Hawaii as well. And so that company ran the traffic department, the permitting department, uh, the emergency services, the parks, the water department, um, and basically everything in the town except for police and fire, which were run by the state. Okay. And so, so the company did such a good job that um, they gained huge scores on resident satisfaction and saved millions of dollars. In fact, the, the town of 100,000 people had a surplus, and all the surrounding towns said, Hey, they've got all this money. Let's do that too. So the idea caught fire, and now there were uh, seven surrounding towns that all switched to that private partnership model too. Yeah. So and th they weren't being repaid by taxpayer money or anything like that. They were just uh, um, paid to do the work. I, well, actually, no. I'm sorry. They were being paid 
for taxpayer money. My my apologies. So the taxes stood as normal and that tax money just went to pay the private company. And eventually they had all these surpluses and they took it to a vote like, hey, we got all this extra money. Should we just give it back to the taxpayers? And they took a vote and the taxpayers said, no, no, just keep putting it back in our roads and bridges and everything. Like put it back into infrastructure okay. for us. I want to so, I want to be very clear with terminology as we move forward with this part of the conversation, um, because private public partnership um, as a terminology, right, as a term has some very negative connotations um, mm-hmm. that may differ from, you know, what we may view as privatizing everything. Right. 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 Like ch- turning things over to the private sphere as opposed to the public. Uh, seems to be quite different than uh, a public-private partnership, as it were. So, do you want to? Yeah, exactly. Want to clarify those terms? Because you said you you like the public, uh, the the private partnerships that yeah. are existing. I I like it, except for the name public-private partnership. It's hard to say, <laughs> but um, I'm very careful not to say the word that we're privatizing everything, because what, like you say, privatizing that really cannot connotes you're giving it to the private company. Um, yeah. And I, so, I, again, personally, I like that better, right? Mm-hmm. I, I personally right. prefer the term privatize, right? Mm-hmm. Which is taking it out of the, out of the realm of the public sphere rather mm-hmm. than, you know, public private partnership, because to me, that terminology connotates fascism. Right. Yes. There. Yes. And, and, and public private partnerships can be really bad too. I mean, if they're set up in a way that puts the puts the taxpayers at risk more, um, if the company does a bad job, the taxpayer bails them out, and so so forth. Yeah. Then, Cronyism yeah. is another way to, to describe those those partnerships, as it were. Oh yeah, absolutely, and and they can be subject to that. You could hire a company just because uh, it was it's owned by your brother or your girlfriend or something, and and funnel taxpayer money to them that way so absolutely there's potential for corruption so public private partnerships like p3s are not a uh anarcho-capitalistic um solution i'd say they're, they're more of a minarchist solution okay. i think mm-hmm. you would consider them to be a a step in the right direction but not necessarily right. the end game exactly it's a step in the right direction and at the very least they supposedly, if it's set up the right way, they can offer better quality services for a lower price. So I like that better. But yeah, I, I mean, and the example you gave seems to indicate that. However, what is what's to prevent that from then going that uh, cronyism, that corporatist, you know, that that um, negative route where they have the the private corporation is granted a monopoly in that certain area, right? And then as time goes on, you see those services, the quality of those services dwindle. Yeah. Well, in in Sandy Springs, they set it up so every year it has to be reviewed. And so, um, in fact, one year they were not happy with the company, CH2M Hill, and they took put it out to bid and tried to find another company that could run the town. And they actually fired the first company and hired the second company to take over, and they saved a million dollars in the process. So um, now some people say, 
oh, well, isn't that bad? You have every year you've got these employees who are worrying about whether they are going to be hired the next year and so on. Um, but well, that's how it works in the private sector though. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, depends on the contract. I mean, you know, right, right. But that, that might but I, be a call for, you know, some sort of unionization as well, right? That way you, you may not be working on that particular project, but as a, as a union member, um, mm-hmm. you know, in that industry, there will be a project for you to work on that has been bid on at some point. And, and also if, if it were unionized or if the government, if there was a big government project or something, um, that gathered forces to, um, go back to the old government run model, then they could do that. And that's exactly what happened in Sandy Springs, unfortunately. So today, uh, Sandy Springs is no longer run managed by a private company. Um, they're back to the full government model. And I talked to um, the founder of Sandy Springs, Oliver Porter, and he was really, you know, cr- upset about that. He he uh, just said that the political winds shifted and and it's just a really sad thing. But um, he was still upbeat because the seven surrounding towns were still private. I mean, uh, running as a public private partnership, but uh, there's nothing to stop them from going back either. I mean, it goes back to that quote, uh, liberty, eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. Absolutely. So going back to the rail real briefly, because we we started on that topic and I kind of want to like bring that to a close um, as we approach the end here. Um, What's when is the next like decision being made? Um, Is there, is there another upcoming meeting? Are you waiting for uh, an election um, for politicians to decide certain things like when, do, when will you know if it's going to be blown up or, you know, any one of the other alphabet um, plans, mm-hmm. plan E, F, G, so on? Well, I, I think it'll be in, on December 31st. That's the deadline that the rail has to get its act together before the FTA says, screw it, we're not going to give you any money. And so um, everyone's scrambling to meet that deadline. And meet I, by meet, I mean find money somewhere. I mean, I don't know if they're trying to check their couch cushions or <laughs> raise funds, you know, like voluntarily. I don't think it's going to be voluntary, though. I predict there's going to be a a um, measure either at the Honolulu Council or at the state legislature to raise taxes during the summer. Um, and the other thing that could happen is sometime at the council if the lawmakers had any backbone at all, they could say, how about putting it up for a vote again? Should we do a plan C, a plan D? What do you want to do? And should we ask the taxpayers or should we just do it here? Um, So it's going to be a lot of fireworks this year on the rail. uh, I got my popcorn ready. Well, you, you suggested that it might be difficult to raise taxes because they had difficulty raising taxes earlier. Um, is it really that difficult? Like, I mean, do, do the, do, how much of a say do the taxpayers really have um, when, when their elected representatives are going like, nope, we either got to pay for this thing or get rid of it. And as you said earlier, uh, speaking out against it is still seen as disfavorable which means mm-hmm. it's likely to continue, which means, hey, you got to pay for it somehow, which means taxes have to go up. Well, it, it's weird. There isn't really a 
um, tax revolt movement in Hawaii. There's no Tea Party. Well, there ought um, to be. Yes, there should be. There was once a Tea Party here. It was uh, loud and, and proud, but they've all left to the mainland or closed shop or went into the woodwork. So Smart move, there, by the way. Yeah. There are no uh, marching uh, people against tax hikes here, but actually there are people marching against tax hikes. They don't march to the legislature. They march to the airport. And they, they, there's a long line of people ready to leave Hawaii because the cost of living is too high. And often we've, we've uh, asked them, you know, why are you leaving? And often they say taxes are too high too. And now lawmakers are trying to push taxes even higher. So, um, so yeah, I do think there is pressure not to raise taxes. And property taxes are, are absolutely the, the hardest politically to raise here. It's much easier to tax tourists more, but I don't know how high they can raise those taxes. They've already jacked those up to the max already. So yeah, I um, I, I recently yeah. saw a headline for an article about like there's no um, there's no rental cars, and for like a one day car rental on Maui it was like seven hundred and twenty bucks. I went, yeah, that's no right. No fucking I, way anybody's paying that. No goddamn I, way. Who's paying? I that? think that I think they're uh, renting U-Hauls now. Yeah, that um, was that was part tours. of the article as well. Was that you know seven hundred twenty bucks for a car for for the day? Like that's not even the weekly you know your vacation price. That's like per day. Um, has people move into U hauls, which the, you know this particular article went on to say like is making it difficult for uh, you know people who rent U hauls for for business, right? Which I was in a business where we rented a Penske U haul on a on a regular basis as a moving company because it was cheaper for us than you know owning and and maintaining our own. Uh, moving truck, mm-hmm. uh, but the, the, those people aren't able to rent it because all the tourists are getting the, the U-Hauls. Ah, that's interesting too. Maybe that's their plan for to prevent people from moving away. There's no moving <laughs> trucks. Yeah, yeah. There's no moving trucks. I mean, but, you were talking yeah. to someone who did that, right? I, I found the Free State Project. The the time hit to, to move, and I said, "I right, deuces, Hawaii. I'm moving to New Hampshire." Um, and I think we should se- segue into moving away from the podcast because we're running out of time. Yeah, oh, yeah we are. Sorry. I was right. I was. I'm, I've got the. I've got the timestamp here. But I was. I just want to make that clear that I'm one of those people that moved away for that very reason. It was you know prohibitively expensive. Couldn't get much done. Um, and I'm finding that the, a lot of things are a lot easier in that realm here in you know in New Hampshire. So it's. I don't know. It might be for a, a whole nother conversation. I'm trying to figure out, you know, if politicians make that connection with people going to the airport, as you suggested, JK, um, or if they just continue to to ride their tax hikes as much as possible. But we shall see for, uh, another time, as uh, MC noted. Final thoughts, anybody around the table? I don't think thought. Um, well, it, I think that uh, Hawaii's tourism tax allows for a bigger growth of government in the state than in other states uh, that don't have that extra golden goose. So that's a topic for another time, though. Yeah, and I would suggest people thinking about visiting Hawaii, don't. Forget it. Like, if I didn't have family there, there'd be no reason for me to go back. Uh, But that'll do it for us this week. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. You guys know where to find us, anarchistexperience.com, on telegram, t.me slash anarchistexperience, or t.me slash theanarchistexperience. And if you'd like to contribute to the show financially, you can do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash the anarchist experience thank you very much for listening i will talk to you all next week peace